You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Well, this morning you're about to witness one of them, the more unusual commissioning services in the history of Eltham Baptist Church. I'm supposed to be Sam, but I'm not. He's supposed to be preaching, but he's not. <laughs> Some things happened this week, good things, by the way. Some things happened this week which, which made us just sense that God was shuffling things around a little bit. Um, and I actually don't have a sermon here. I've just got a few scribblings and things. But I think it's going to come together. We'll know in a, about a half hour. <laughs> so what happened this week was, as we met as a pastoral team, uh, we were projecting you know, a couple of weeks ahead, we were thinking about how, wow, staff retreat is upon us. We better get the sleeping bag out. And some other things too. And then church council retreat. And, and we're thinking about the, this particular year and the things that we have to consider as a church council and as a pastoral team. And, and to be quite honest, we were feeling totally inadequate for the task. I mean, seriously. God has given us this incredible opportunity that we, that we have here in Eltham. For, for, for most of Eltham Baptist Church's life, we have not had a, had a place that, that we might have said, you, you know, under the stewardship of the Lord, that's, that's our place. And then a few years ago, he did the most miraculous thing by giving us 12.4 acres here in Eltham. It was just remarkable. It was remarkable the way he did it. It's remarkable what he did. Here we are on, on this, this, this beautiful property. And yet, the moment we moved in, we realised that um, a little bit like the, the prophets of old, this place is a little bit too small for us. But you know what? Having set up and unset chairs for most of our existence, we decided it's better. <laughs> and, and we'll make do and we'll find a way. And, and for the best part of the last few years, of course, we have. But we realised that um, this, this can't continue, that, that God has increased our number in a, in a joyous way and, and we're absolutely thrilled by that. But we have to respond to that in some way and, and so we're, we're crying out to him and asking, what, what do you want in that regard, Lord? We know that we have to develop this building in some way. Do we, do we build again? Do we, uh, many, many questions we've been looking at. And, uh, and we do feel just a little bit as a, as a leadership team and the leadership team at EBC is the church council and lead pastor and all his executive and, and so we do feel a little bit clueless. Now I, I know this is the time for you know, me to kind of champion the cause and say, got it covered folks. But no, 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 honestly we're just clueless. Um, and, and I kind of think that's a, that's a good place to be. So we've got these retreats coming up and we thought, you know what, we really need to remind everybody on Sunday to pray for the church council, the leadership team, because we have these issues and they are not going to go away. So we have to confront them face on and, and, and now is the time for some courageous leadership. Just what does that look like? <laughs> so we need you to pray for our, our leadership team over this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and, and Sunday, as there's two, two retreats we have, the pastoral team retreat overlaps with the church council retreat and over this time we would really covet your prayer for us. It's, it's really, really important. Um, and so we decided, do you know what would be really great? Before it's summer and the snakes come out, it would be great for all of us to just go walk around this, this property, go somewhere where you've never been before. Um, I don't know if you've explored the, the furthest extremities of this property, 
Um, and sometimes that's scary. You know, you might find yourself in somebody else's kitchen or swimming pool and you think, oh, this can't be Eltham Baptist Church. It, it is. No, it's not. We wish it was. No, but, but there are fences and you can, you can pass several fences before you get to the extremities of our property. Um, in fact, later on we've even got a little bit of a map to, to show you, I believe. Is that right? Ollie will, will cover that bit. So we thought during the week, hey, wouldn't it be great, we're going to ask everybody to pray for the leadership team, wouldn't it be great to actually have, uh, at the end of the service, everybody head out? And so that's why we're going to make sure we, um, we wrap up, with, we're going to finish with a song. We're going to be finished before 11 o'clock and what we'd like to do at that time, which is why the kids went out early, is we'd like parents to go and collect their kids and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to be dismissed. We're actually going to head out all around, all around the property and the essentially we're asking, go somewhere where you've never been before to the extent that you're able. And, uh, you know, we wondered, um, some, of our, some of our seniors seniors here might not be able to go far, but, but we just love the thought of everybody out and about, wherever they can go, and if that means sitting, sitting along the veranda, if it means sitting on a chair just outside, and we'd like you to pray. You can take your four-wheel drives. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have one, you can take Michael's, and that's worth taking. <laughs> because we do believe in Acts 2 and Acts 4 where they shared all belongings. So, anyway, we'd like you to go out and about all around the property in Michael's four-wheel drive. <laughs> Mine's up for grabs too. And, and we'd like you to pray. We'd like you to, we'd like you to pray for, for God's blessing on this property. We'd like you to pray for God's blessing on the church. We'd like you to pray for, for wisdom for the leadership team, that they will understand what is it that you are asking of us, God? What would you like us to do? Because that's, I, honestly, that's all. I know the leadership team well. It's all they want to do is God's will. They don't want to do your will. They don't want to do my will. I know that. We all are committed. We just want to do whatever God wants. Now that would be the heart of your leadership team. Whatever it takes, whatever he wants, we might not feel it, but we're committed to it. We're up for it. And that's, that's the prayer. We want, we want you to pray for, for our leadership team as you go. This is your first time to Eltham Baptist Church, by the way and you're scared of this is going to turn into something like Picnic at Hanging Rock, just go with somebody from Eltham Baptist Church that you know and trust and think might, might have an inbuilt compass. So that's what we want to do um, shortly, and, and we, we will do that. So that was as the week was progressing, and then we came to, to Friday, and Sam was still preparing his talk from First Timothy about the role of women in the church, and squirming, trying to get out of that as much as he could. No, he wasn't. <laughs> But we were thinking about how the, how the day was developing and, and what was God saying to us. And, and I was to speak to the youth on Friday night. And uh, I'd asked the youth, you know, they're working their way through Luke, what, what chapter are we up to? And, and uh, I was pretty sure it was chapter 17, that was confirmed. I started to work through Luke chapter 17, started to exegete it. And I kind of thought, this is really cool. <laughs> like, I know pastors say that about the Bible all the time. But, but this particular, Luke 17, I kind of thought, wow, this is really cool. Problem is, I'm almost certain it's not for the youth. Not, 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 not this particular night anyway. It will be. But no, I'm supposed to do something else. So I ended up on Friday night just sharing my, my testimony, tucking away this, this thought, Luke, Luke chapter 17. Really, really good. I, don't, I wonder what that's for. And then I got a text message from our, from our treasurer, Laurie. Where's Laurie? 
over, over there who loves this church with a passion but has been concerned for some time just watching the trajectory of our finances that, that it wasn't, wasn't good. Now, I won't, I won't give you a financial report because I'm not good at them, but, but basically, um, on the one hand, and, and this is where I say this is going to be a really peculiar commissioning service, but I think, I think it'll all tie together in a moment. On the one hand, our giving is higher than it's ever been. It's, it's, it's tracking with everything that we did last year. It's just that our costs went up this year. And, and so our costs are higher than they've ever been. Our giving's higher than it's ever been, but it still falls short of, of what our costs are. So for the second time, I think in a couple of months, we actually had to draw down on a loan, which is not a good, sustainable way to operate. That's strange. I, I, I kind of find, and I think, I think Laurie and others, I think we, we just sort of thought, we're just not, we're not sure. We're like, there, yeah, that's really odd. How, how is that so? We've trimmed costs wherever we, we can. We've looked at our budget to think, you know, is it, is it you know, have, have we just been too ambitious or whatever? But, but no, we just actually, you know, in order to, to pay, the, pay the salaries which the church is committed to doing, we had to draw down a loan. And that's just not the right way to go about it. So, so when Laurie sent me the text, I, I really didn't know what to say. I, I guess I was just, I keep hoping, you know, for that, for that turnaround which we have seen so many times here at EBC and I know we will see again, absolutely no, with a certainty. But it just hadn't come yet. And so I was a bit surprised by that and all I could think of texting Laurie was, thanks Laurie. <laughs> Maybe the shortest text he's ever got from me but I just didn't know what else to say. And, and then I wondered... Lord, was that passage from Luke chapter 17 for us this morning? And as I prayed about it and, and eventually just, just mulled over it, talked to Bron, talked to Sam, we, we felt that it was. So in some respects, I think I'm just going to touch on a few things that we've said before, very, very briefly. I want to talk this morning a little bit about faith, prayer and giving. Nothing that we haven't said in the last couple of years, but here are just a couple of basic principles. And then when I thought about the, the dear Azali family and, well, how does this tie into their commissioning? I thought, faith. You know what? Theirs is a testimony over four years of believing that God had said something to them. God had spoken and he wanted them to go to a distant land to be salt and light in that place. We trusted that this was true too and we've been standing with them and sharing the experience but there's been times, hasn't there, Emmanuel, where we've honestly thought, oh, <laughs> is this coming together slower than we might have thought? And then here they are, we're rejoicing with them nearly, nearly some, over, over 90, 90%. Almost there. And, and what, a, what, a, what a testimony of faith that is. So we're excited about that. But we also know that the... One of the reasons sometimes why God builds our faith in this way and one of the reasons that they had to probably have this dragged out over a four-year period is their faith had to be strong because the faith doesn't stop now. Often when God, God tests our faith through the area of finances, it's to build our faith for much bigger things, ministry things. How will the Azali family trust God in terms of their ministry if they haven't firstly been able to trust him in terms of the more fundamental matter of their finances and provision. So as we learn to trust God for provision for our daily bread, we learn to trust him for the, for the ministry as well. And so that faith is going to be an ongoing, an ongoing issue and concern for them and, and, and yet 
back here at Eltham Baptist Church, it is for us as well. So let me just touch on a, on a couple of things. And as I say, everything that I'm about to say, we have actually said over the last year, and so I can say it really, really briefly, we've actually said over the last year or, or two. Um, but firstly, when it comes to finances, the thing that we don't do is look to the person next to you <laughs> or to look, to look here, but we look up. We firstly look up. You've heard me say that before, we, we look to God here. And so prayer is one of, the, one of the important aspects at a time like this. And of course we're going to go pray very, very shortly. We had our breakthrough Sunday just a few Sundays ago and, and there are different, different uh, I guess, responses from that breakthrough Sunday. Some of you have already seen the answer in full and you can't believe it. Some of you have just seen the beginning of the answer God has started to answer your prayer and you're thinking, wow, this is so unexpected, but, but wow, thank you, Lord, and you, you still look forward to more. And then some of you haven't seen the beginning of the answer to your prayer just yet. But you know the theology of prayer. We talked about this a little bit a while ago. We talked about three little stories that, that Jesus, Jesus told. The, the sleepy neighbour the sleepy neighbour who wouldn't wake up to, to give his other neighbour bread because he was expecting a visitor. And that was to remind us of the importance of persistence, of, of coming before God with shameless audacity. Now why, in a theology of prayer, why is persistence important? Why should we demonstrate this shameless audacity? Well, then we have another story, the, the unfair judge, sometimes called the persistent widow. And we learn that with the unfair judge that her persistence in that particular case was an opportunity to express faith. So here's a theology of prayer. Our persistence or shameless audacity gives us an opportunity to express faith. Then Jesus, going back, talks a story about the, the evil dad or why uh, scorpions and snakes don't make a good meal for your child. It's got a number of names, that story. But essentially, the essence of it is that if you evil children or evil fathers know how to be good to your children, how much more your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, especially those that of the Holy Spirit. Fundamentally, the importance of the goodness of God. So we understand, here's the theology of prayer, our persistence, our shameless audacity, just knocking and knocking and knocking on heaven's door is an opportunity for us to express our faith in the goodness of God. That's what it is. And our faith continues to be built as we do that. So there's our theology of prayer. So even if we haven't yet seen what the answer that God has given to us in prayer is, we keep praying and we keep persisting because it demonstrates our faith in his goodness. And those prayers are not wasted. We looked at the, the picture in Revelation and uh, chapter 4 and 5. We looked at that beautiful picture before the throne of God in which the elders bow down. They've got golden bowls, incense rising from bowls and guess what that incense is? It's the prayers of the saints. And the only one who was worthy to open up the scroll which is the destiny of humanity, the only one worthy to do that was the lamb that was slain was Jesus Christ himself and there he is taking that scroll and opening up that decree, God's decree for his sovereign plans for all of humanity and as he does that, guess what he's looking at? the incense rising with that beautiful, beautiful smell, aroma before God. So our prayers are, are doing just that. There's a visual and there's, the, there's a sense in which they, they create a beautiful aroma in heaven, the petitions of God's people before the only one who was worthy to open up and fulfil the decrees of God. That's what your prayer is doing. 
And so none of those prayers are wasted. They continue to rise up like incense from those, from those golden bowls. Isn't that beautiful? So prayer, it's important. We need to pray and, and we're going to, to pray. Now we also know from James 5.15 that the prayer that's offered in faith is important and so there seems to be a connection with faith. Now this is where we come to Luke chapter 17. This is another little story. Um, the disciples have just heard Jesus say in Luke chapter 17 how it's really, really important to forgive others. In fact, he says, you forgive them as many times as they sin. You know, they sin seven times, you forgive them seven times. And the disciples are squirming and they go, oh man, well, that's going to require a lot of faith. So they say to Jesus, would you please increase our faith? And Jesus picks up on this, never wastes an opportunity and so he starts to talk to them about faith. And, and basically... I left my Bible down there. Thank you. In Luke chapter 17, let me, let me just read to you. In fact, let's all turn to our Bibles or turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. We'll just read this. You'll be familiar with the passage. But we'll read from, from verse 5 through to verse 10. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And he replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant ploughing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me, while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Now you might think, what is the mulberry tree floating out there in the ocean got to do with the servant getting fed last? And that would be an excellent question. Did Jesus mean to connect these parts or, as some Bibles and commentaries seem to suggest, here's just a little collection of snippets, you know, the, the best, the top ten of Jesus, you know, he just a, kind of that Luke's kind of put together. Or is there a connection? I believe there's a connection. Verse 7, suppose one of you, as if to, uh, let me illustrate this for you. Well, what's the connection? Well, the disciples had a request for increased faith. And then Jesus tells them this strange story about, actually, you don't need a whole lot of faith at all. You want your faith to increase, but no, 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 faith even as small as a mustard seed can accomplish great things. You're fixated about the amount of faith that you have, and I tell you, the amount of faith that you have is not important at all. Hmm. Obviously, the amount, as small as a mustard seed, just isn't important. With just a little faith, you can accomplish much. The tree will obey you. That mulberry tree will lift itself up and it will obey you and go jump in the ocean. Isn't that interesting? And then the little story about the nature of the relationship between the master and the servant. Just as the servant recognises the authority of his master, so it seems the tree will recognise your authority over it. The tree will be subservient to you. Why? Because of the issue of authority. The amount of faith is not as important as the object of faith. 
like the mulberry tree, the servant of God simply does what he is told to do because he recognises the master's authority. Does that make sense? The servant doesn't look for applause. It is merely as it should be. The master is getting fed and looked after as he deserves to be. In other words, the tree must submit to your authority. The servant must submit to the master's authority. Just as, and this was demonstrated many times by Jesus, the wind and the waves must submit to Jesus' authority. Leprosy, blindness and disability must submit to Jesus' authority. Even death itself must submit to Jesus' authority. See, the object of faith is God and his complete and absolute authority over all things. Faith, therefore, is believing in an authority so great that all else must be submitted to it. That's what Jesus is saying. The disciples are asking for more faith as if the quantity of it is going to make the difference. Jesus says the quantity won't make squat. You only need the size of a mustard seed, really, to make a difference because it's not how much faith you have, it's where your faith is placed. You need to understand the authority of God. Here is an authority so great that everything, absolutely everything, is subordinate to it. Can you imagine authority that high, that great, that supreme, that sovereign? That's God's authority. And when you, when you command something with that kind of authority, yeah, the mulberry tree will go and jump in the ocean. Just like the servant will obey the master. No applause needed. It's just the order of things. It's the way that things are. God has supreme authority. That's, that's how it is. And our faith is in the authority of God. Our faith is in that supreme authority. And when our faith is in the supreme authority of God and that everything else is subordinate to it, then things happen. And it brings God glory. Faith, therefore, is believing in an authority so great that all else must submit to it. And the faith that reconciles us to God is the belief in the authority of Christ to overcome sin, death and wrath. Isn't that what the Christian faith is? We've got the problem of sin. We've got the problem of mortality. We've got the problem of the wrath of God. How can we find an answer to that? Well, there is an authority that rules over all of those things and answers them. And that is the authority that was given to Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20, through him, God has reconciled to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So Jesus has been given authority over sin, death and, and wrath. Faith is believing in an authority that is greater than our problem. So what is the problem? You identify that and then place your faith in an authority that is enough for that situation. So that's what our prayer is supposed to be like. Our prayer is supposed to represent that kind of authority, the authority of God, that he can overcome any matter that we bring to him as, as is our petition. We know that often faith doesn't see immediately what the answer is going to be. Hebrews 11.1 1, is confident in what we hope for and, and assured about what we do not see. And yet it entails believing, believing that a thing on earth is now as it is in heaven, even though we're yet to experience it. 
and not doubting that. Mark chapter 11, 23. You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. There's no place for doubt there. Believing that it is so. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now here's an interesting one about faith. I don't know that this is a connection we make very often. But in Mark 11.25 it says, and when, so you're offering a prayer in faith, okay, Mark 11.24, Mark 11.25, then it goes on to say, and when you are stand, or when you stand praying, there you are offering your prayer in faith, okay, it's going to be answered. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins as well. What an interesting one to tack on there. Isn't that interesting? So there we are standing, offering our prayer in faith, and Jesus says, oh, by the way, just one other little thing. Is there anyone you haven't forgiven? Because what can block the prayer offered in faith? What could do that? Well, sin, but maybe there's no sin in your life. Okay, cool, we've cleaned that up. There's no sin in my life. All got that straight. Okay, back to the prayer of faith. But hang on. Somebody sinned against me. Somebody's wronged me. And I haven't gone and forgiven them. That's a sin. That can block the prayer in faith. Isn't that interesting how Jesus puts that there? So there we are offering the prayer in faith. It's a powerful thing. It's an amazing thing. But if firstly you have a relationship to repair, you better go do that because that will block your prayer. Fascinating. And that might be something that we need to to think about within our church context. Do you know what? God is not happy with unreconciled relationships. If we're not reconciled to one another, then we are not demonstrating the reconciliation we have with God and we have no witness to the world. So we might think from time to time, you know what, it's just easy to let sleeping dogs lie. I don't get along with such and such. They said this, they did that within the church family. So here's a little family matter now. Sorry, we've got many visitors. We're hanging out our laundry, aren't we? <laughs> if you see something you like, take it. Um, but here we are, kind of just talking about this important matter. You know what? It's not okay to just let sleeping dogs lie. It's not okay. Not in the family of God. Because then we're starting to pretend then we're starting to be hypocritical. Then we're starting to be absolutely no different to the world. And we've got no witness. Zero. We've got nothing to witness to. If the reconciliation that we have with God is not demonstrated amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Jesus says, you're going to go after that. There you are standing and offering your prayer in faith. I'm sorry, this is a hard word, isn't it? But all right. There you are offering your prayer in faith to God, but there's this, other matter. And God says, sorry, it's the way it is. It's the way the kingdom works. You have to attend to that. And then we also know something about faith. We know that without faith it's impossible to please God. So faith is a really good thing. (laughs) But we also know that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. And so there's another element. And it could be 
And here's just a couple of, couple of thoughts on giving and then I'm going to finish. It could be that our faith needs to be accompanied with actions, the action of, of giving. So just a quick reminder, we know a couple of things about giving. We know that giving should require faith. Um, 2 Corinthians 8.3 For I testify that they gave, this is the Macedonian believers, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Well, how do you do that? Faith. We know that there is a regularity to it. 1 Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a certain, um, a certain sum of money in keeping with your income. That's it. Some say 10% and you know what? That's a little bit more Old Testament thinking. Some people use that as a guide. That's good. But under the new covenant, everything is submitted to God. God owns 100%, so it's just a matter of saying, how do you want me to use this, God? And usually he'll say, well, a little bit for the rent or the mortgage, a little bit for some bread, a little bit for some petrol, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and of course, if we come to God with our finances and exercise faith, if we say to God, I believe that you have complete and sovereign authority over the finances of the Hunt household. Or don't say that. Well, I mean, you could say that because that is true, but insert own household there. Or EBC, Eltham Baptist Church. But I believe that God, you have total authority over our finances. And I believe that everything must be submitted to it. When we recognise the supreme and sovereign and wonderful and magnificent authority of God, and that he is over and above absolutely everything, is there a problem in surrendering, surrendering everything to God? Of course not. We're happy servants. Our finances could be in no better hands than, than the hands of God. And so giving requires faith, there's a regularity to it, and then heart, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, good place to finish. Each man should give what he or her has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I've pointed out before, the Greek word for, for cheerful here is hilaros, which sounds a little bit like the English word for hilarious, and it is. There's supposed to be a joy about giving. God loves a hilarious giver. Next time the offering comes around, practice that. <laughs> oh, ridiculous! Try that. That'd be fun. <laughs> God loves a hilarious giver. There should be a little bit sometimes. I don't know. Why is it so solemn? Is it because... Or for most of us, it's the, yeah, it's the direct debit. You know. <laughs> but maybe we should have a little chuckle. Not because of how little we're giving, but maybe we should be a little hilarious in terms of a... <laughs> There's no way we're going to survive this month. We, You know... A little bit of cheerfulness there. But no legalism in this matter. That's why I haven't got an amount to tell you. Just whatever you've decided in your heart, do it cheerfully, have fun, let it be hilarious and practice faith. That's, that's my word on giving. So that's all. That's all. What about the finances of the church? God's got it covered. He has authority. He has authority over all of our finances. He has authority over our destiny. He has authority over what we're supposed to do with the property. This, the coming retreats this week, he's got authority over that. He has authority over all things. There's not a matter on earth that he doesn't have authority over. Our life, 
and our seemingly temporary troubles are in very good hands. He's got authority, absolute authority and I believe that. So I'm going to pray. Ben's going to come up and lead us in another song and then Ollie's going to give us some instructions and uh, and then we... um, we get to go for a walk. How's that? So find somebody that you um, would like to go for a walk with or if you're new to EBC and you don't know who to walk with, just attach yourself to someone. We're, we're all pretty friendly here. Um, hopefully they're from EBC and you don't end up down at the shops or something. <laughs> Let me pray. Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we've, we've had just to, just to address a few housekeeping issues really. But we want to acknowledge that it's your house. You are Lord of all. The headship of this church belongs to you. And all authority belongs to you. We believe that. And so as we come with our petitions, as we come to this time of prayer, we come so believing in the supreme authority of our Lord and God. That in this area of property, finances, future, reconciliation, whatever it might be, Lord, that it all must be submitted to you. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And we want to do that this morning too. So we commit these things to you. We ask that you'd bless us with safety as we walk across the property. May it be a joyous time and may we enjoy the fellowship afterwards as well in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.